Hi, everyone. Welcome back to Kip Nugget. My name is Hagana. I'm one of your hosts. I'm here with my wife, Callie. Hi, everybody. And today we wanted to talk about a little bit about the possibility of a coronavirus vaccine, what that Woo. would look like, because one of the big news items today is that, well, really for the past few months, is that at some point we're going to have a coronavirus vaccine. It may be three months, it may be nine months, but it's essentially only a matter of time. And for the purposes of talking about it today, let's assume that it's safe and effective. And the reason we want to talk about it is because everyone's asking, when can we get back to normal? When can we go back to normal? And everyone talks about this vaccine as if it's going to be this cure-all. Oh, once we have the vaccine, we'll be able to get back to normal. But when we actually think about the history of vaccines in America, you look at the flu vaccine or the flu shots, we, I don't think we've ever gotten to a 50% um, usage rate for the flu vaccines. Something like 7 to 9% of Americans don't think that even measles vaccines are effective or safe. So, and obviously there's the whole anti-vax movement. So there's absolutely no guarantee that people are going to take a coronavirus vaccine. Yeah. So we're, I think in the, the media's narrative here is that vaccine comes, boom, everything goes back to normal. We all live our lives. But that narrative skips over all the sticky stuff, the implementation, the distribution, convincing people to take the vaccination. And, and you were telling me this morning, what's the expected usage rate if we do so, get a coronavirus so vaccine? So I've seen em employer studies that say, done by you know certain consultants, that say you can expect 25% of employees to take the vaccination. 25%. So even less than the flu vaccine. Yeah, the flu vaccination um, in the employer context. So if your employer is providing you know on-site flu vaccinations and they're free and all that generally speaking 40 percent of employees take those on in good years mm -hmm. and i'm speaking just with um in the context of large employers so let's so the overall rate is going to be lower right they're expecting that it will be lower okay so now let's talk about what how this whole system works legally now just at a very general level um there's no law that says you have to have any vaccine right Right, right. So, but growing up, almost all of us have gotten some vaccines like smallpox, measles, because we have to go to public school or private school, um, and and the school will require it. So, as a requirement to attend school or to cohabitate in a dorm, you'll have to show your immunization records, and um, they will verify that you've been vaccinated. Okay, so there's absolutely no laws that says you have to get any vaccine, but to partake in certain activities there are organizations that can require, right. government included. Government included, yeah. right? A public school is a government mm -hmm. entity, right? They can require you to Right, and, and, there, and there are certain jobs that may require vaccinations, but on the whole, your average Joe office worker or um, you know, laborer is, is not required to get a vaccine. When you fill out your job applications, are you submitting your, your health records, your immunization records? I don't know, did you do that for me? Oh my God. No, I did not do oh. that for you. Hagana doesn't even know how to like fill out a form. He's like, here, Callie, just do it. Just do You're this. handwriting. That's all it is. I could do no, it. No, you sloppy. literally don't even know. Like you don't even know who we send like our electric bill to. The electric company. <laughs> okay. Anyway. Um, okay. So now you, you mentioned that there are some employers that can allow that can mandate a flu vaccine right. right if it's required to to perform the essential duties of that person's job like let's say you have to travel to a certain 
geographic region and you need a, a vaccination to interact with that population. Sure, makes sense. Maybe if you're a healthcare worker and, um, and you're working with a certain population, sure, makes sense because that's part of your job, right? It's part of your job to be exposed to people who may have that condition. I've actually never even thought about that, but yeah, I would really hope everyone in a hospital working in a hospital would have a flu shot. Right, right. Okay. However, even in those situations, um, you know, l- let's use the healthcare worker. Let's say the healthcare worker has a medical condition that prevents them from getting the vaccination. Maybe they're pregnant. Maybe they're, they have a, you know, a certain type of genetic disorder. They are allowed, un- they're protected under federal law um, for an accommodation, aka an exemption. They don't have to take the, vac- the vaccine if they have a disability or if they have a religious belief. Um, and so long as certain conditions are met, the employer has to grant that accommodation. Okay, so even a doctor, if they have a medical reason or they're disabled in some way that prevents them from getting a vaccine. Yeah, or they have a religious belief. Yes, mm. yes. Or religious belief, really. Right, right. Um, and it, we'll get into that a little, a little later. But generally speaking, most employers do not mandate vaccinations. The, the best analog we have in this situation is the flu vaccine. Even though COVID is much more severe than the flu, let's be clear, medical experts have told us multiple, multiple times that this is not just a flu. Um, that's, that's the sort of the framework we have to use at this point in time because we don't have guidance from our regulators on, um, on a COVID vaccination. Also, just so people know, I am uh, I am an ERISA lawyer. I work in the healthcare context. I work with employ. Uh, I work in employment law. However, none of this is legal advice. I'm speaking generically. Okay, there's my legal disclaimer. It's a podcast. It's a podcast. <laughs> Don't listen to me. No, <laughs> listen to me. But you know, also consult your your own personal attorneys if you have real questions. Okay, so that they can Google your questions too. <laughs> Most lawyers, guys, just Google. Most doctors, too. Most doctors just Most Google. everyone just Google. Guys, Google is kind of the expert on everything. So if you're seeing some kind of professional, kind of it, is prof- it is scary, especially since last the last, po- last podcast we talked about how the algorithm caters oh, yeah. to, to your desires and your needs and your interests. Anyway. Yeah, back to the point. Okay. So let's say six months now, nine months from now. Okay, first of all, employers, they really want people back in the office generally. And they would really prefer that you have a coronavirus vaccine, right? Right. I think that that the vast majority of large employers that have dense office buildings would love to mandate the coronavirus vaccine. However, as I said before, the best comparison we have right now is the flu vaccine. And the EEOC back in March, like the Equal Employment Opportunity Commission, um, back in March or early April, they issued guidance related to the flu vaccine, which can be interpreted, it's almost implied with the timing of the messaging since we were in sort of quarantine lockdown mode that, hey, this is the writing on the wall. This is oh, so they were already thinking about this back in March. Oh, one hundred percent, they were thinking about this back in March. That's after, your job. Yeah, after after um, lockdown occurred. Mm-hmm. Yeah, of course. So they issued guidance related to the flu vaccine um, that provided that 
for employers, best practice is strongly encourage vaccinations, don't mandate them. And for, why were they concerned about mandates? For the, for the reasons we're going to talk about, um, because employees have protections, right? You can't be required to take a vaccination if you have a disability, if you have a protected disability under the ADA, or as I said earlier, let's talk religious beliefs. You can't be discriminated. Title seven prevents discrimination in, in employment. Um, okay, so if your employer did have a mandate, you would have basically two avenues by yeah. which you could. Well, d- technically, there might be a few more. You might have OSHA. Okay. OSHA is like safety. Um, so there may be OSHA. OSHA may come into play. And there might be state laws here, too. Um, but, but let's talk but, about the main ones. But the uh, federal law trumps state law. And generally speaking, the ADA and uh, Title VII are what most employers are thinking about when they're thinking about mandated vaccinations. So let's say you have a disability under the ADA that prevents you from taking the vaccination. Maybe it's a pre-existing condition. Maybe it's a genetic disorder. Um, You can request an exemption and the employer is required to grant that exemption unless it results in a, quote, undue hardship. Okay, so what's an undue hardship? I know. What is it? That's always that's always the thing about lawyers. Like, they use these words, undue hardship. But you, they kind of use those words because you got to build in some flexibility, right? <laughs> I know. You do. So you do. So under the ADA, undue hardship is defined as a significant difficulty or expense. Again, what do those words mean? What is a significant difficulty? What's a significant expense? It's going to depend on the employer. This will be a case-by-case sort of analysis that every employer has to do for every single person who requests an accommodation. So, oh, let's just talk quickly about disabilities under the ADA. So a disability under the ADA is just a significant impairment. You still have to be able to perform the essential duties of the job with or without a reasonable accommodation. So, for example, a healthcare worker who is pregnant, who has a mandated vaccination policy, requests an exemption because she's pregnant and she can't take the vaccination. So, she is requesting that she not take it, but still works with clients. She'll still work with clients. So, that employer, that hospital may say, okay, sure, you don't have to take this vaccination because we can give you this suit that you wear. Like a hazmat suit? A hazmat okay. suit. So you don't get sick when you go around the the folks with smallpox. That would be considered a reasonable accommodation. And um, the, the people think there's like an exhaustive list of disabilities under the ADA. There's not. I mean, there are some things that are that are pulled in and that are new. Generally speaking, like blindness, um, deafness, things like that, significant impairments. Alcoholism is one. Alcoholism. Alcoholism is one. So that's, I've always found that so interesting. Again, you still have to be able to perform the essential duties of your job with a reasonable accommodation. But I've just always found it interesting that alcoholism smoking, no, smoking is, isn't right. No, I don't think so. Um, wait, 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 what is it? I always hear but, about like smoke breaks being protected, or maybe smoking is one. I'm not sure, but illegal drug, like if you use illegal drugs and you're addicted to illegal drugs, that's not protected. That's not a disability. What about legal drugs? Legal drugs, yes. Oh, okay. 
yeah, legal drugs, yes. So stick with um, the legal drugs. So, so you would think that it would just be like the addiction. That's what the disability is. So like if you're addicted to alcohol, opioids, or, you know, heroin, you would think it would all be treated the same. It's weird that we, but regardless, that's our world. Um, so this will be, a, this will be an asset, going back to the previous point, this will be an assessment that every employer has to make, whether there is um, sort of an accommodation they can make, whether they can quarantine this person who doesn't have a vaccination in a s- small office. Well, how much does a hazmat suit cost? Can you just get hazmat suits for everyone? I guess you could. I don't know how much those are. But again, is that a significant difficulty or expense? If you had to buy... Well, if it's like 100 bucks, then no, right? Right. If it's but- like... A thousand or fifteen thousand, then yeah, probably. Yeah, but let's say you have to buy um, hazmat suits for thirty thousand employees. Oh yeah, it's a lot Just for one person. Yeah, yeah, okay, it's a lot. Okay, so that's the ADA part. What's the so Title the, Seven? Part? Yeah, so the Title Seven part. Um, again, you'd have to hold. And what's a, t- just briefly, what's Title VII? You can't discriminate, okay. non-discrimination. Um, so it protects employees. Based on? Yeah, religion, um, sex. Gender. Yeah, all that kind of stuff. Okay, so someone could request an exemption from a vaccine, from a vaccine under Title VII if they hold, quote, sincere religious beliefs or practices that would prevent them from getting that vaccination. So... What's a religion that doesn't believe I think in Jehovah's vaccine? Witnesses? Probably. Yeah. What your grandma was? Yeah. With? I know they don't believe in like blood transfusions or organ transplants. Yeah. I assume what if, what about Scientology? I don't know. Um, that's more of a tax thing, right? But but <laughs> stop. But just in practical terms, um, let's say you're a very large employer and you have two thousand requests for an accommodation for an exemption from a vaccine. You're not going to go through and ask people. Hey, I need a letter from your pastor <laughs> that describes your sincere religious beliefs. That's just not practical. Employers. So that's why the EEOC said just best practice is to encourage it. Exactly. Exactly. And so for those who do request that Title VII accommodation, that same phrase comes back in. The employer has to grant that accommodation unless it presents it places an undue hardship on the employer. However, the Title VII definition standard is much lower than the ADA. Under Title VII, the employer does not have to grant the religious accommodation if it results in more than a de minimis cost to the operation of the business. So in this situation, let's say um, you have 1,000 employees who want the, to, to be exempted from the vaccination. They need hazmat suits for 100 bucks. Is that more than a de minimis cost? You know, it depends on the size of the business. Now, if it was a mask, like a literal disposable yeah, mask, that right. would be fine, right? That that would that be fine. You, they would have to provide. That would be fine. But uh, ultimately what you may have um, people who, let's say you have a whole group of people who have a certain religious belief or maybe don't and they're claiming they do and they don't want the vaccination and to properly accommodate this request, the employer would have to, you know, space people out and that could cost a lot in, in office space. And maybe they have to do more cleanings throughout the day and UV light surfaces, you know, people touch in an office setting, people are touching buttons and 
elevators and copiers and fax or fax machines. Do people still use fax machines? Yes, unfortunately. <laughs> extensively. <laughs> um, but you know, what you may end up having is people who quit or are forced to resign or they fi- they're fired, they're terminated because they refuse to get a vaccination. And then ultimately this will be litigated. We're, we'll have a class action of employees who were adversely impacted by a mandatory um, vaccine policy and they, they weren't granted an accommodation. So you think that there will be employers that do mandate Oh, I think so. Absolutely. And and, and, and they're going to do this knowing that they're going to get sued because... Well, well, sure. At least one of them will. <laughs> um, Might as well test it out. Yeah. You got, so you got to have your test case. Um, no, I think that most employers, given... Again, the EEOC framework has basically said what exists right now. They've said it's best to simply encourage, not mandate. However... So what they're really saying there is... If you do mandate it, you could lose. You yeah. could very easily yes. lose in court. That's why, right? As a, almost like a preventative measure, they're saying do not do not mandate. Right, and just, just and just in practice, stay pra- out of trouble. Right, and just a, as a practical matter, if you have a company with a hundred thousand employees across the United States, a certain percentage of them are going to request accommodations. Just going through the exercise of assessing whether this accommodation is reasonable is is a heavy lift. So would you rather strongly encourage this, make it really easy for folks to get vaccines, offer on-site clinics, do the whole thing, make it free, and just avoid all of that extra work, or do the whole mandatory thing and have to go through all these hoops? Okay, so let's imagine that and play it out for a second. So they're recommending, EEOC is recommending to strongly encourage. That is will maybe get us to the flu vaccination rate, right? 40 to 50%? 40% on a good year. On a good year. If it's free and it's offered on site for large employers. Okay, so if large employers, they only encourage, and we only have about 50% of large employers' employees actually taking the vaccine, that's not a solution to this current problem. Oh, Like you no. can't have elevators in that. You can't have Manhattan. You can't no. have... No, no. Like cubicles like open air cubicles no no and so and so again that gets into this so whole we're not going back to normal if that's the vaccine that's the vaccination rate for covid no and and even let's say even if we have a mandatory framework here for large employers um i still don't think you go back to normal because that's not the majority of you know most of our workforce works for small businesses. It's it's so spread out. Even if you have this one mechanism for distribution, that doesn't capture everybody. Um, and I think that based on the, the sort of surveys and reports that I've seen, we can expect to not have, to not have um, a very high success rate. Okay, so just the creation of the vaccine itself, distribution, even if it's free, even if every employer gives it away, that's not a solution. No. And and I will say, though, that it's not out of the question that employers will take the stance that vaccines should be mandatory, given the severity of COVID. And this yeah, isn't just So that's just what the, I was going to ask about This next. isn't just the flu. Right. Let's say, okay, we've. I keep hearing it's five, five times as deadly. Let's say it's five times as deadly. It's 
it's somehow statistically proven. So does that mean you have employers have more power to? Yes, yes, absolutely. I mean, because uh, if this was Ebola, they could really make sure, right? Right, like, right. If this right. thing had like an 80% mortality rate. Right. It, it, and that obviously, that weighs into the assessment of undue hardship, right? So let's say you are, um, you have uh, an employee population that works really closely together and they're passing widgets next to one another. So they're in really close contact. You have to keep those employees safe. And with something that's, you know, a deadly disease, that is a a respiratory illness that can be passed just through coughing, breathing, et cetera. Yes. Like not, not vaccinating one employee and having an asymptomatic carrier that could potentially infect 200 people in your complex. Yeah. Like you, you, it changes the, the sort of, um, cost benefit analysis, if you will. Okay. Now, obviously you're not gonna have the answer, but just what's your sense here? So let's go with the five times as deadly as the flu figure. With the flu, they they say, well, no, we heard, you said March, March or April, they said strongly encourage. Yeah. Let's say it's established that COVID is five times as deadly as the flu. Do you think there's a chance the EEOC says? Oh, yeah, of course. Actually, okay. Of course. Yeah. And, and I'm not saying that the EEOC won't issue subsequent guidance, but what what we have today, as the framework exists today, this this is what we have to consider. That is a really sobering thought. I hadn't really thought about that before a few minutes ago. I mean, I was still under the impression, oh, once we have a vaccine, back to normal. Or you you hear Fauci say, oh, yeah, end of 2021, back to normal. But that's assuming. That's assuming people. And that's a bad assumption. That's a, that, it, actually, that's an unreasonable assumption that yeah, people, I th- I even think, the majority, are going to take it. Yeah, I think that that's especially given the environment today which again, we talked about in the last episode, people get in their own little rabbit holes on the internet and they, that leads them to think, oh, I'm doing more research. You've heard people who, who are anti-vax who say, I watch do this YouTube video. Yeah. Watch this. I found this. I spent hours researching it, but they're just going down the funnel mm-hmm. and eventually arriving at whatever, but it gives them this sense of, of accomplishment and satisfaction. Like, oh, I really dug here. I dug in and I found this information that no one else has. So I'm an expert researcher when in fact they're just, their, their, their reality is skewed and they're not being presented with facts, with science. They're being presented with misinformation. Okay. So employers probably screwed. Uh, schools now, schools will be able to mandate. Yes. I think right? schools will be able to mandate. Um, so, I, and again, though, I think children, um, we don't know the effects of COVID on children, but yes, I think schools will be a proper, um, a proper platform for vaccination. I assume like senior centers or. I'm assuming I don't know. I don't know. I mean, it seems like it's, it's possible workers have to get vaccinated. Oh, would think. I would think that like if you're living in a nursing home, yeah, yeah, I just I mean. yeah. I'm not sure. Can older people take vaccinations if they're ill? Like I just don't know enough about. Mm-hmm. health and how vaccinations are but um, legally like if you're living together in a community oh, that's reason enough to 100 percent. i mean any business can make make any requirements like set your terms and conditions you know here's your terms and conditions if you want to live here you have to do this 
Um, it's just to exist in society and to be a person in the United States, you don't have to have a vaccination. Um, and that's, you know, we hold that liberty so dear. So Okay, so now back to us a little bit. We talked about large companies, small businesses. Let's say you own a yoga studio. <laughs> can you require members to be vaccinated? Again, I think you can, cert you can set the terms and conditions of... Um, of you know your your policies for example we certainly require that people wear shirts and shoes when they come into businesses um you know some businesses say you can't wear a hat or whatever i don't know i don't know enough about um enough about like the history of vaccinations and how things are implemented to know whether we can do this i would assume it would just be a regular old term and condition you want to come here this is our private business you must take this vaccine um, but i'm i can't say for sure because i just don't know and and how would the accommodations work in that in that context someone says i can't get a vaccine do we have to accommodate i don't know i i mean the, the accommodations are like what what i was talking about the ada and um, and I, I, yeah, I don't know how that works in a, I'm not going to say, cause I don't know how that works as a, as an owner of a business, whether you can mandate vaccines like we, I, I don't know. I don't want to I don't want to speculate here. You need an employment lawyer. That's not employment. <laughs> that's like, that's like. Small business law. I don't know. The one question that's actually relevant to us. I know. And I'm like, uh, I don't know. Ask somebody else. Ask somebody who knows. Um, yeah, I, I don't know. Do you know? Do, do you happen to know what how membership clubs work? In what sense? Like a like a country club? Yeah. Could, could a country club mandate it? I'm again. I'm assuming that a private business can set the conditions of for its members. Um, well, private businesses actually have a lot more power than people generally think, right? I, like yeah. people always talk about their liberties, but really you're just like an invitee and... Yeah, no, but I mean, just like a person has liberties, a private business has liberties too. It's, you know, it's the freedom we give, we've decided that we have this freedom to contract, to to conduct business. So sure, you, can, you can't discriminate against people. So you can't say, oh, you're of this race, you can't come into my business, or I'm not going to serve you if you're, you know, whatever, insert thing Muslim here. Or, yeah. yeah, or you're an immigrant or something. Um, so I would assume just based on that, the fact that you can't discriminate based on race or gender or whatever, um, that there would be some sort of out for people. Okay, now practically speaking, even if we were allowed to, let's say, require all members to have a vaccine, practically speaking, we'd have to take their word for it. Or they'd have to show us like a form. Yeah, but then if you're getting into people sharing health records with you, you have, there's privacy issues. Right, but that's why I'm so, saying, practically yeah, speaking, practically you would speaking, have to take, their, have word to take their word for it. And so really, the compliance issues here are just terrible. And Yeah. And so you may have bad actors who say, yeah, I'm vaccinated. Well, are you planning on getting vaccinated, Agana? I'm definitely going to get vaccinated. Yeah, me too. <laughs> and like, 
No, but you're right. I just read a story about it was in Europe somewhere. Some woman, you know, you have to quarantine for 24 hours, literally like 24 hours while you get your test result. And she still went out to a bar and yeah. infected other people. And then now she's arrested and fined. I mean, I've seen university yeah. students doing that as well. Um, but I think that the real crux of the issue here, and it's something we talk about often, and I don't know how much time we have left, so this will be brief. But the real issue here is how do you get people to act in their own best interest? Because if you're not willing to take a vaccination, because even if it will literally save your life, how do you fix that? I have no idea. And it's, it's like what we talk about often with like, you know, the degradation of unions and people voting against unions when they're in a union and benefiting from the additional protections that the union got them. Like we have this extreme, I saw an article yesterday or the day before that if Jeff Bezos gave every Amazon employee, every single Amazon employee, I think it was $150,000, he would still be as rich as he was the day the pandemic started. And so there's such a, an imbalance. I, mean, I think when he divorced his wife, didn't he make her like the second yes, richest yeah. person yeah. in the world? But like when you when you start to look at the leverage that capital has versus labor in this country, um, we start to see the real fundamental issues that we've lost unions. Unions used to be our sort of counterbalance to, to capital. And we use that to get things like you know, health benefits and paid time off and safer, safer working conditions and things like that. But now people have sort of started to believe this narrative that's fed to them from special interests and the messaging machine that we have in, in this country that it that unions are bad for them. And honestly, I'm not in a union. I've worked with a lot of unions. I've represented um, I mean, technically, I'm rep- I've represented the employers that work with the <laughs> unions, but um, but even as a non-union employee, I benefit from the work that unions do. Oh yeah, we've all benefited because yeah. they they sort of set the the terms for the market, um, and you know when you have when you have a CEO who is literally the richest person in the world. And you have people that work for him that can't even afford rents in the areas in which they work, you start to have a real problem. You know, this could set up a really interesting conflict, though, a conflict of interest, because capital right now, Jeff Bezos, he wants his workers back. He wants, oh, he kind of has them anyway, because essential or whatever. But, yeah. but all the capital, all the business owners in the world right now want their workforces back. Yeah. Like they couldn't stand it in March, April, May when things were actually shut down because they weren't making the money and they were willing to risk their employees' lives. It'll be interesting. If they do have a vaccine, I mean, what if Jeff Bezos is like, I'll give you $10,000 to every single person who will take this goddamn vaccine, just come back to work. Yeah. Maybe that's the only way to solve it. Or yeah. I mean, money, money, done. money helps always so um, god if there's ever fodder for conspiracy theorists oh you really going to take the money to take this vaccine yes yes i don't but yeah i i i don't i don't know how to fix people voting against themselves and like let's just talk generally speaking about taxes like most people 
would benefit from, like we always talk about make America great again. You know, you hear that, that Republican tagline, make America great again. They're talking about the 1950s when our top tax rate was 90%. Like we invested in infrastructure. We, you know, rebuilt Europe. We did all of these things. CEO pay was what multiple? More it was like, like seven to 10 times mm-hmm. your average. Now it's like 5,000. Like it, it, it's, to me, it's just baffling that we've divorced the fact that you can spend money our government can spend money on building things in a way that benefits all of us, but we vote against that. And and we vote against it when we're not going to be affected by it. We would just benefit. Um, because, I mean, the vast majority of Americans don't even pay federal yeah, income that, tax. That's a messaging problem, though, right? Of the course, anti-union, but, the, the capital owners. Right, but the messaging is what compels the action or inaction, and that's what we have to fix. When we have when we have people voting against their own interest or not getting a vaccination, even though they could literally die, you have to fix the messaging. Yeah. I think one of the big lessons for me in COVID was you can't rely on self-interest. Like it just doesn't exist for a lot of people. Self- I just read this heartbreaking story the other day about someone who grew up really poor and like often couldn't afford the school lunch at the public school. And then they later found out as an adult, their parents were eligible for all of these food stamps, welfare, and they just refused to take it out of pride because they didn't want a, a handout. And so they were literally letting their kids starve, be malnourished, never have a chance at a better life because of the messaging. And that, yeah. that's just, I mean, it's really insidious that that level of messaging could be so effective on so many different people. Yeah. That makes me sad. And that brings me back to one more point that I just like to harp on. <laughs> We've talked about this in other episodes. How do we not just give kids lunch? I can't believe we structure it as this like system where you get free lunch and then you only get the peanut butter sandwich and everyone knows. It's disgusting. Yeah. Or they throw it away because they can't reserve it. Yeah. They right literally throw you. it away. It's, yeah, it's baffling. Why isn't that like the first thing fixed by like every politician? I don't know. I don't know. Food's not that expensive. Food is... Especially we, not the crap we give our kids. We give our kids such crap. Like just give it to everyone. Just make it a one size fits all thing. Everybody gets the same lunch. It's so weird. And especially because nutrition is so important to your developing brain. You want taxpayers. You want functional adults who have good brains feed them don't make it this weird thing where people are made fun of and left out because they can't afford lunch or they literally don't get to eat i just can't i just can't okay or they steal or they steal because i just yeah i I can't okay so i think that's enough for today god we just got to get out of this depressing (laughs) every single every single episode just ends on this next time let's do like a lessons we've learned on from small business or something yeah watch it it's gonna go south real fast um all right thank you very much wait to what's our sponsor, oh, the sponsor. Uh, tuck bar and yoga the premier bar and yoga studio in the philadelphia area bar that burns yoga that melts we'll see you guys next time bye